Welcome to the podcast of C3 Church with today's message. Divine reversal. Look at your neighbor and say, beloved. Come on, say it loud. Beloved, it may look bad right now, but God is just setting you up for a divine reversal. Oh, come on and clap your hands for the Lord of glory this morning. Wendelin Davis gave a prophetic word called Risky Business. Uh, we shared this via email. I want to read just a portion of what she gave to the church because it lines up to what I believe is where we are today. She said, in these last days, only those who are willing to take risk for me will remain. There is a separation, the division of something, sifting the sorting one thing from others taking place in the body because all are not willing to take a risk for me. It's risky business to follow me, but I always deliver strong and mighty and come through for those who truly believe in me and trust me and willing to pursue me at any cost, even to death. My true apostles, prophets, warriors, servants, believers are willing to sacrifice all for me. This pandemic is revealing the hearts of the people. Some were unfaithful and uncommitted before the pandemic, and this was only an exit for them to get off the highway of life. Some were straddling with one foot in and one foot out, just like the hokey pokey song. You put one foot in and turn it all about all that stuff. In other words, you fickle. You're straddling the fence. You're trying to have the king's things without the king. Uh, you're trying to, you want all the benefits of the marriage, but none of the commitment. So that's all I wanted to share there, beloved. It truly is risky business to follow hard after God. Uh, Abraham uh, took a risk to follow hard after God when he was willing to sacrifice the son that he truly loved in obedience to God. Joseph took a risk when he was called to Pharaoh's palace to reveal Pharaoh's dreams. Moses had to take a risk by going back to the land that condemned him to confront the most powerful leader of that day. Daniel, Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah took a risk by not complying to the demands of an evil government. You guys know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was their Hebrew names as Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. John the Baptist took a risk when he confronted King Herod about his sins. Peter and John took a risk by obeying God rather than man when it came to speaking the name of Jesus. When I was preparing for this word, I felt like the Spirit of God told me to say this to you this morning. That too many people who claim to be following me have gotten comfortable with playing it safe because it's easier and doesn't require much effort. But it's time for us to take a risk for God. It requires effort to step out and do the things that God has called us to do. And I've already told you before, this is not the time for us to fit in. This is the time for the saints to stand out. Now, I know this message doesn't go over well, but that's okay because I'm going to give it to you anyway. 
Watchman Nee said this. He said, if you would test the character of anything, you only need to inquire whether that thing leads you to God or away from God. That's the only test that you need. If, if me doing this thing, uh, is it getting me closer to God or is it pulling me away from God? Uh, you don't have to put on sackcloth and ashes and, and pray and fast to understand if something is pulling you away from God or not. It's amazing that we can be on our jobs and um, Pharaoh can tell us to do something and we rush right into it. But when somebody says to do something in the church, then you got to go back and pray and fast. Something is wrong. Saints, it's time to be fearless in this faithful, fearful time. It's time to be fearless in this fearful time. So there's nothing like the enemy that wants you to be scared of everything. Because he is fear. He wants you to fear everything. But God says he haven't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. You fear in your flesh and your flesh normally fears something that hasn't happened yet. More than 400 years before Christ was born. We find this very intriguing book filled with drama, power, romance, the stuff which best-selling novels are made of. But far from a modern piece of fiction, those words describe a very true story lived and written centuries ago. More than entertaining reading, it is a story of the profound interaction of God's sovereignty and human will. God prepared a place and the opportunity, but the people had to choose to take a risk to obey. It's just like where we are today. God will give us a prophetic word, right? We'll get that word. Oh, that word, oh my, that word set me on fire. And then instead of you going out to fulfill that word, because that's not what we're supposed to do, God is saying, well, listen, before I can get you ready for the word, there's a preparation stage. Somebody say preparation. Well, y'all quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. That's all right. I'm going to keep preaching it. There is a preparation stage because God is the one that's going to fulfill the prophecy, not you. See, a lot of times we want to jump right in and say, oh, man, I got to go and do this. I got to get me some business cards now and put a title on it. But God is saying you don't need no titles because if you can't serve me naked, you can't serve me at all. See, God will strip us from all of these top heaviness of titles because say, the only title you need is Christian. Once you say, Jesus, come into my heart, boom, the Holy Spirit ignites you on the inside and he fills you with his power so that you can go out and do exploits in his name only if you know him. For the word says, they that know their God shall, be, shall do exploits, not those that just come to church. Amen. Esther, the Persian queen, whose Hebrew name is Hadassah, say that Hadassah. That means myrtle. Myrtle means something that's fertile, is fruitful. Her name was Hadassah. This is a story not of passivity, but of providence. Not one of cowardice, but one of unflinching courage. She had the fate of the whole Jewish nation in her hands, and it was not going to be an easy task to reveal the evil agenda and assignment that was waged against the God-fearing people of that day. Now, there's a parallel that you must see here, and I hope you're seeing it already. Just like Esther we must be willing to stand up to abusive power and corruption in high places. Let me say that one more time. Just like Esther, we must be willing to stand up to abusive power and corruption in high places. 
Esther chapter 3 warns about the use of dominance and uh, for people to substantiate who they are by ruling over people in a dominant way. Queen Vashti was banished and divorced after disobeying the king. And a decree was made throughout the province for all the beautiful young virgin women to be brought to the palace. Come on. Notice that brother was very specific. He didn't say just go get anybody. That brother said go get somebody that's beautiful. Ain't nothing wrong with being beautiful. Come on, somebody. Glory to God. God is beautiful. Come on. Hello, somebody. Yeah, I married someone that's beautiful. Amen. Shoot, man. You got to marry somebody you don't mind waking up to. Glory to God. Hello. Hello. Nothing wrong with being beautiful. And she had to be pure. Notice this unpure king was looking for purity. At least he knew it. <laughs> he knew what to look for. That brother had already been beat down by Vashti. Because Vashti, Vashti taught that brother a lesson. Said, I ain't coming just because you asked me, bro. All the men came to the king and said, King, you're going to have to do something about this. That's how them brothers are. They said, you going to let that woman talk to you like that? <laughs> I can just imagine that in my mind, that all of his little, all his little buddies was in that room that day and said, bro, you going to let your wife talk to you like that? You going to let your wife punk you like that, bro? See, that's the John Lawton Bible. So, but it wasn't about the king and Vashti, it was about the men and their wives. Because notice their words were, if, the, if she gets away with it, then our women going to treat us the same way. Oh, bless their little hearts. That's because you don't know how to control your own house. Hello! Oh, boy, people don't want to hear that kind of talk. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to mess with marriages today. We'll come back next Sunday. Maybe I'll hear something on marriages. So a decree went out for these beautiful women throughout the province, for beautiful virgin women to be brought to the palace. And if selected, this person would spend 12 months of preparation for the king. I said, yeah, not 12 days. Th that girl had to be 12 months of perfumes and oils and... Oh, boy, come on, somebody. <laughs> I bet you when that girl walked through the palace, you could smell her three miles away and say, oh, my God, uh, I can smell her walking to the king. See, there is a fragrance that we must walk in if we're going to see the king. We can't just go see the king any kind of way. There must be a fragrance that we give off to go see the king of kings. Yeah, that's why he told Moses, take off your shoes for the ground where you stand is Mordecai was Hadassah's uncle, but he raised her as his very own daughter after her mother and father died. The king liked Hadassah so much that he places a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Isn't that awesome? <sighs> after these things, the Bible says Mordecai learned of a plot to kill the king. 
and was able to reveal the plot to him through Esther. Notice how God had to wait for Esther to be in the proper place. See, don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Make sure you get in your proper place because God might be getting ready to bless other people, but if you're not in place, he's got to wait on you to get right so that he can get his word to somebody else. Esther told the king about those conspirators, and they were killed. Now, understanding something during biblical times, back then the heroic act would have been written in the books of the Chronicles, and the person who actually told the king, like Mordecai, would normally, it would lead to a rich reward for him. But nothing ever happened for Mordecai. So it's almost as if, you know, he, he didn't get blessed because of the good deed he had done. Now, if that was not enough, come on, I'm just walking you guys through this story. Y'all like this story? I'm just walking you through it. So instead, we find a very ambitious and power-hungry schemer named Haman. He was the Agagite. Uh, he slithered his way to the top of the political ladder. Notice I said slithered. I'm using my words very carefully because there are a lot of people have slithered their way What's interesting is his lineage is of the descendants of the Agagites. Let me tell you a little bit about Agagite. In the Hebrew, the name means I will overtop. I will overthrow. Come on, come on. His lineage is I will overthrow. See, Agagites was from the lineage of King Agag. See, I don't know if you know about this king. We got to go back to 1 Samuel to talk about this king because this is the lineage that uh, the Amalekites came from. And so this was the lineage that was spoken of by King Saul. I got a paraphrase to get you up to speed here. King Saul was told by Samuel to go in and kill all of the Amalekites. And the Bible said that instead of doing and obeying exactly what God said, King Saul took it upon himself to keep the best sheep and keep the best things and the gold and the silver. And then he also saved Agag. And when the man of God, Samuel, came to confront him, Saul blamed the people. He said, it's the people made me do it. <laughs> That's what happens when you have feckless leadership. They never take responsibility for themselves. They always got to blame somebody else. But when you got good leadership, we take full responsibility for what's going on. Amen, somebody. But Saul wanted to blame everybody else. And Samuel said, listen, because of your act, the kingdom will be stripped from you. And God has already found another man to give the kingdom to. And we know that was King David. And then he went through and killed Agag. Why would God have Saul to kill the Amalekites? Then I got to take you a little further down to the book of Exodus. Because when they came out of Egypt, they came out of Egypt slaves. They didn't really know how to fight. And, and when they came out of Egypt, it was the Amalekites who attacked the children of Israel. But this is what they did. They wouldn't attack those that were in the center. That's where most of the men were. They, they, attacked, the, they attacked the flanks, the Bible said. And most of the people that were on the flanks were the women and children. So they killed the women and children, and God said, I will always remember what you did. So when King Saul came on board, God says, I'm remembering what you did. Now it's time to take you out. Mm. Are you still with me here? Haman operated in a generational curse of hate and was an extremely arrogant leader. And although he recognized the king as his superior, he could not accept anyone 
as his equal. This was the man that was promoted to second in charge of the kingdom, not Mordecai, who had the right heart and knew how to be submitted. Just like today, many have been faithfully serving God and fasting and praying and doing the right thing, but still get passed over for the position. Oh, am I talking to the right church this morning? You, you did everything that you know to do. You did the job. You came in early and you worked late and you didn't get the raise. You didn't get the recognition of the promotion that you thought you should get. And, and man, you was just trying to blame God and you're blaming the devil and you're blaming everybody. Maybe it wasn't them or the devil. And I say that because, however, with Mordecai getting passed over when he should have been rewarded would be precisely the blessing that lead to the Jews' deliverance. See, if he had gotten promoted when he wanted to be promoted, he wouldn't have been in place when God wanted to use him. Saints of God, don't worry about it. When, close, when God closes one door, he'll open another door. You may not understand why this door is closing because God don't live in the now. God sees the very end from the beginning. You might not know that God has another door down the road, but while you're trying to pry open this door, God is saying, get back. Because what's through that door is not for you. I'm trying to get you to this place. But if you keep holding on, wait on the Lord. He said, I'll open the right door for you because you may not understand that I got a blessing down the road. You may not understand that I got a divine reversal coming. So you just stay put and keep trusting God. Just keep trusting him. Keep believing. Keep fasting. Keep praying. Don't give a hold on to God. Come on. Hold on to him. Run into that high tower where you are safe. God will surely come through. See, his timing and our timing is not the same. Don't put God on a time limit. That's where you get yourself in trouble. That's why when you put prophecies on a time limit, you get yourself in trouble because although that prophecy, that, that, listen, Isaiah spoke 700 years before Jesus came on the 700, not seven days, not seven months. It was 700 years before Jesus came on the scene and over 300 prophetic words were fulfilled the day he was crucified. I already told you last Sunday that a, a day is like a thousand years, so God is just in three days right now. Amen. Hello. Yeah. So while we're stubborn, God says, okay, I'll wait. Eighty years don't mean nothing to God. <laughs> That's all you get is a good 80. <laughs> Amen. Some of us get blessed to get 900, but, uh, but a good 80, that's the average age. That's for women. <laughs> As for women, I don't know what's up with the brothers. We ain't living as long. <laughs> Something got to change, amen. As all egotistical leaders and governments are, they want the preeminence and the submission of those they rule over, but Mordecai refused to bow down to Haman. Like Mordecai, sometimes we have to take a risk and stand up as a Christian and not bow down to what this world want us to bow down to. As a Christian, I refuse to bow down to ungodly laws and perverted decisions made by our government leaders. God is not requiring us to do that, especially if it's something that comes against our Christian values. You must know what the values are so that you can stand up to them first. Hello, somebody. We must stand up for the unborn. We must stand up for the weak. 
the disenfranchised, the widows and the orphans. We must stand up for biblical marriages between one man and one woman. God created it and nobody else can change it but God. And since he's the creator, everything after that is nothing but a counterfeit. And even his best counterfeit is still fraudulent. I didn't say that the, that the laws couldn't be passed. Because just because you have a law, that don't make it true. But the Bible says in Isaiah, woe to those who make unjust laws and unrighteous decrees. You best believe that every judge that had his hands on that or her hands on that will be judged. We must stand up for the creative order of only two genders. I don't care about the myriad of genders that you can change a gender just how you feel the morning you wake up. But God only has two genders and anything after that is a counterfeit. And why aren't we standing up for that right now? Because we live in this transformative society. Everything is trans now. I'm a trans dog. I'm a trans cat and trans man, trans, everything is trans. And everything is trans and nothing is trans. So you can't change your DNA. You can change everything on the outside. You can cut things off and you can add things, but you cannot change the blood. We must stand up for freedom of speech and religious freedoms. And yes, I am standing up for my Second Amendment rights to protect my home. Try to come in and take it. You're going to take something else. It's going to be blood in the streets, man. If they, if they pass the laws that they want to pass right now, it's going to be blood in the streets. I'm telling you, because people like me, I'm not giving up my stuff. See, this is what happened in the time of Hitler in Germany. Once Hitler took all the guns, he took over. This is the same socialist stuff that's going on today. History will repeat itself if we don't understand it. Come on, y'all. I mean, open your eyes so you can see what's really going on. Get out of politics so that you can get higher in the heavens and see what's really going on. And I'm willing to stand flat-footed and tell you the truth because when you know, you cannot not know. You can't say, oh, I didn't know. Oh, you knew. Because I sat here and I told you what was about to take place. And just like I said last year, we see exactly what's happening. Christian values are under attack by secular humanists, movies, social platforms, and the music industry. We already know that, guys. Even those who call themselves Christians are not Christians that are singing this stuff. God has already started the judgment. As you already see, someone that I really, really enjoyed reading his works, Ravi Zacharias. He died last year, but come to find out the brother was in the boys. Had all kinds of stuff on his laptop, man, and I was like, that's, it's disheartening, but I told you, when God began to strip it off, it's going to be people we like. Didn't I say those exact words? That ain't it. The stripping is still coming. There are people in politics, you can, you, it's getting ready to blow your mind. People you like. The stripping is coming, and can't nobody stop it. They want us to bow down to their demands and give in to their perverted and counterfeit lifestyle. But as a radical remnant breakthrough believer, I refuse Amen. to bow down Amen. to this backslidden world. Come on, somebody. Come on, say, I refuse to bow down to this backslidden world. Come on, somebody. 
for the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And further down it says, after doing all to stand. Stand therefore with your loins girt about with truth. After doing all, what to do after I do all? Stand. Stand on biblical principles. Stand for those who can't stand for themselves. Don't worry about, well, I don't know what to do. The Bible tells us what to do. Stand on what God has said is right. I don't care if family don't like you or not. Family not going to get you into heaven. You're going to be all alone by yourself. And I'll rather mess with other people and tick other people off in the church than in my family. But please, God, because all I want to hear is, well done, thou faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Now enter therein until the joy of the Lord. Ain't nobody going to be there but me and the Lord. I was like, yes, God. They were tripping, but I still told the truth. <laughs> Let's be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Rather than kill Mordecai for not bowing down, Hammond saw this as an opportunity to reach into the past and settle old scores. See, that's why I said this was a generational curse. See, generationally, there are things that go all the way back in our past that can creep back up and capture us. And, and there is a root of bitterness that can trouble us if we don't really realize what's going on. But I got to tell you something, something that Elaine taught me in a class that she had with this group called GFI. See, something that you got to understand that when God forgives you, he also gives you a new past. See, that's something that we fail to remember. See, God is, is the same. Come on, Hebrews 13 and 8. He's the same. So when he forgives you, he don't just forgive you of your present sins. He forgives you of your past sins. So in other words, your past now is forgotten, and he gave you a new past because now you have a new lineage. See, you don't have to trace your history back through 23 and me. You can go all the way to the cross. That's my lineage. Uh, uh, succession planning, yeah. I go all the way back to the cross of Calvary. Why? Because everything else has been wiped clean. Uh, and I go all the way back to the cross. So while your past keep creeping up on you, you need to still tell your past, you know, I, that I don't have nothing to do with you. I don't have nothing to do with you. Somebody said divine reversal. See, I don't have anything to do with you. Why? Because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Why? Divine reversal. God said, I'm reversing it all. I'm reversing it. I don't care what you did. You did that? What, what, you did what? See, when he says, I throw it in the sea of forgetfulness, he said, I forgot about it. But then we keep bringing it up. And every time we bring it up, God said, you did that? Oh, okay, I forgot about that. Oh, uh, oh, you repent it? Oh, yeah, I forgot about it. Two weeks later, God, I can't believe I did that again. God says, you did that? Oh, I didn't realize you did that because I forgot about it. Oh, you repent it? Oh, okay, I throw it in the sea of forgiveness. A month from now, God, I can't believe I did that. God says, you did that? Oh, oh, you repent it? Oh, I throw it in the sea of forgiveness. Then God comes along, he finds you fishing in the sea of forgetfulness. And what we need to do is stop fishing and keep it moving. If God says, I forgot it, then you need to forget it. 
See, this is why the devil tears us up. It's not God at all. God said, I've already taken care of it. He says, I've already wiped the slate clean. All you have to do is come back to my cross. You don't even have to go back to the enemy's camp. I don't agree with that preaching, talking about going to the enemy's camp and take all that the devil's. I ain't going nowhere where the enemy is. I'm going right back to the cross because his benefits are new every day. That's the problem. We get up in the enemy's camp, and then we got to pray you out of there. <laughs> Sam says sometimes you want to stay in. <laughs> now, that's <the> truth. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Is this making sense at all? So Haman, he took this as an opportunity. He was so full of hatred. He wanted to wipe out a whole nation of people. Do you know that there is such hatred that people want to wipe out? all of the Christians? You know, Christians are dying overseas every day still through ISIS and Boko Haram and Al-Nusra, all of these groups, these Islamic groups that are still killing Christians today. Can that happen here in America? We're on our way. Unless we start standing up. When? Right now. You better start standing up now. We are at a critical impasse in our nation right now. And while we all fired up about racism and all this other stuff that don't mean squat, because there are no races in heaven. I said there are no races in heaven. If you're a racist down here, don't you know you're not going to fit in heaven? God ain't going to have no races in heaven. I don't care how much you go to church and fast and pray. God has said, depart from me. I don't know you. You are racist. I don't have races in my kingdom. Hello, you ain't going to find too many preaching like this. But I'm going to tell you anyway because it's the truth. Right? God says when I forgive you, I forgive you of everything. Everything everybody ever did to you, I forgave you of it. Hello? Now, you keep bringing it up if you want to. God says, okay, you keep doing it because at some point, like Romans 1, God said, okay, have it your way. You want to keep tripping? You go ahead. Just like with our children. You know, they keep tripping. You're trying to tell them right. They're still, still tripping. At some point, you're going to say, okay. You go ahead on out there and do what you got to do. Why would God be any different? See, Haman had an uncanny ability to mix facts with falsehoods, which makes a dangerous leader. You know how he did it? He did it through propaganda. This, how he, this is how he pulled the king, through propaganda. He had some mixture. See, a little bit of a lie mixed with truth is still a lie. I said this years ago that you can have 99% water and 1% arsenic and you will be 100% dead. How did he do this with the king? When he went to the king, this is what he said about the Jewish nation. He said, there is a certain people that are scattered and dispersed. He didn't even give a specific name to the group of people. He made it very generic to make the king think that this was a small group of people that wanted to come against him. There, there is, a, there is a, a, a certain people scattered and dispersed. There is a certain group of Christians that want to continue to praise God. There is a remnant. There's a remnant out there, king, that, don't, that won't follow your... There's a remnant. Come on, somebody. See, the remnant is not going to follow suit with everything that this government does. And I don't care how you try to slice and dice Romans 13. It doesn't say you got to follow evil governments. 
Make sure you read it very carefully. Right? If there's anything that's a state law, yeah. But if it's a, something in condition of morality, no. That's why you need to know what is moral and what is civil. It may be civil, but it may not be moral. Because the laws change based on governments, based on their ideology. Come on, somebody. We do know this, right? Do we, tell me you know this. Please tell me you know this. See, you can have a law to kill babies. That don't make it right. It breaks my heart to see how many millions of babies are gone every year. And you know who it affects most? The black community. Why? Because Margaret Sanger was a racist. And she wanted to wipe out the black people, so they put Planned Parenthoods in the inner cities. Now this is fact. And you might want to go check who funded her. I'll make you do your own research on that one. He used clandestine tactics that prevented him from mentioning them by name. Those people. He also said their laws are different from other people. Come on, their laws? Their laws are different from other people. There was, that was a half-truth because the Torah didn't require everyone to disobey the state laws, just like uh, the laws we follow today, does it? Oh, it, it's a law for you not to speed. Well, just because I'm a Christian, it don't mean I can go out there and speed. Christians actually help us to follow the laws. So he mixed a little bit of the truth with a lie. And then after that, he just flat out lied. Then he said they do not keep the king's laws, which was a flat out lie. Because they were keeping the king's laws. Just because Mordecai didn't want to stand up to Haman. Notice, notice. Mordecai was the only one that didn't stay. The whole, the rest of the nation, they bowed down. So he used this as an opportunity to wipe out a whole people group just because he didn't like Mordecai. Oh, and then to wrap it up, Haman did what people have been doing for a long time in politics. It's called pay for play. What that means is exactly how it sounds. For play. This brother said, listen, King, I'll give you 10,000 talents of silver uh -huh, uh -huh. if you agree with these deadly policies. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message encouraged you. If you would like to learn more about C3 Church, please visit us in person in Indian Trail, North Carolina at 5805. West Highway 74, Indian Trail, North Carolina, 28079, or on the web, c3churchnc.org, or on facebook.com, forward slash c3indiantrailnc.org.